is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 359 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we are talking about the importance of cornerstone content for SEO and website success with Meg Casebalt. I am so excited about this interview. Meg went into depth, great depth about cornerstone content and even talked about your customer or your audience journey, which was a little bit of my higher level. Some of you might be like eh, a little beyond where I am, but it was absolutely perfect. I also want to make sure that you grab her SEO starter kit that she is offering, which you can find linked in the show notes. All right, you guys, let's dive in. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today, Jenny? Very good. I am so excited to have this conversation about cornerstone content for SEO. But before we do that, will you introduce yourself to my audience Sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, my name is Meg Casebolt. I'm the founder of Love at First Search, where we help online entrepreneurs to show up in search results like Google, YouTube, podcasts. Um, but we also just don't want to get people as much traffic as humanly possible. We want to make sure that it's the right traffic, the people who will join your email list, buy your digital products, hire you to do some sort of consulting or coaching for them. You know, it's not just for some of us, traffic is traffic is traffic. But for a lot of us, we need to make sure that we're getting the right people. So that's what we focus on at Love at First Search. Which is absolutely perfect because my hear my people hear me saying time and time again, know who your people are, know what you're setting yourself up to be able to solve the problem for them. So let's start off with what is cornerstone content? Because I think we hear that word thrown around a lot of times and just want to define it to be clear. The metaphor that I use to describe cornerstone content, it comes from the craft blogging background world, um, I like to think of every piece of content that you create, every podcast episode, every YouTube video, every blog post as like a granny square where you're creating something that stands alone, but also you can take it and sew it into a larger blanket, right? You can turn it into something greater than just the sum of its parts. Anytime that we're doing that, that's cornerstone content. But it's especially important for search engine optimization, which is, again, getting showing up in those Google search results, because it helps you rank for terms that may be too difficult for a standalone blog post to rank for. So like your food blogging website, you have a blog post about soy sauce alternatives and another one about Worcestershire. I can never say the word Worcestershire. She's just close enough. <laughs> you know, like all of the different cooking alternatives that you have. And each of those blog posts will rank for those specific alternatives. But you could also create a cornerstone guide that is here are all the replacements that you might have around your kitchen that you can use. So if you have cornstarch, you could make it into, I don't know, I don't know any of these things, right? Um, but then once people land on that longer post that links all of the things that you've already created together, maybe you have an opt-in there that's like, hey, do you want this this replacement guide as a PDF? Um, this is actually especially great for podcasters because we have all of these individual interviews. But if you have really clear positioning, you're talking about a lot of the same things with the same people. Right. So being able to say, you know, here's all the interviews that we did about this topic. 
you might be able to rank for a specific topic. We, for my podcast, we talk about social media and mental health. So we created a a cornerstone blog post that was, here's all the times that we talked to therapists about social media and mental health on the podcast. And we took snippets of those conversations and excerpts and included links to those specific blog posts, the, the show notes for those episodes. And now that one post about social media and mental health ranks for terms specifically about that sort of Venn diagram of social media and mental health, whereas the individual episodes were more about, you know, here's comparisonitis or here's somebody talking about social anxiety, not the bigger idea of social media and mental health. So by building your content into larger content that then links to everything you've already created, you can become an expert on a much larger topic than just one specific blog post. Yes. We talk about this and I often use the example of a spider web. You want to catch them and be able to have everything interlinking so that they get caught on your site and will just continue to look through and understand better what it is that you offer and do and how you can truly solve the problem for them. So I I think of it a lot as like Alice in Wonderland. Like you just need to get them into the wonderland world, and then they can go down the rabbit hole and they can go as deep as they want to. But SEO is about that first discovery. And then once they get to your website, having that interlinked content can really show the depth of your authority. Absolutely. So how do I create effective cornerstone content? The key to cornerstone content is determining both the search intent of what is it that people need this piece of content to do? And also, what do you want them to do once they arrive? So, uh, for example, I have a client who uh, is an intuitive eating coach, and she had a 10-episode blog cat, uh, podcast series about what are the cornerstone pieces of intuitive eating? What are the principles of intuitive eating? And then she took those 10 episodes, each of them had their own show notes, and she made a cornerstone guide to here's you know intuitive eating 101. And each of those individual show note episodes may have done okay for the term intuitive eating. But then once you take all 10 episodes and send links from those 10 cornerstone or 10, 10 show notes to the cornerstone post, that post then gets that additional boost of every single one of those 10 show notes is saying, this is the guide for this topic. Right. And so people will then come to the website if they're curious about intuitive eating, they can read or listen to those episodes. And my client also created, also named Jen, <laughs> she created a, a guide that was like, if you don't want to listen to this, if you just want this as a, a PDF document, here's where you can get this as a download that you can read on your own time and use that lead magnet to grow your email marketing and to let them know about the new episodes that have come out. So you can rank for a more competitive term. You can show the depth of your knowledge on that topic. And every single one of those 11 blog posts has a link to that guide. So people can come into any of those posts and that resource is there waiting for them to sign up with their email addresses. So good. Because that was where I was going to go with you was I'm hoping that there was also an opt-in that tied it all back, the lead magnet that you talked about. It's perfect because you're putting it all together. It gives them that information. They probably have a product or service that comes behind that then in the sales sequence. 
And sometimes you don't even need to create anything new once you created the cornerstone content. On the Love It First Search website, we have a cornerstone guide that it, well, you know how it is, Jenny, when you're creating content. Like sometimes it just sort of happens. Um, my next door neighbor at the bus stop, we were waiting for the kids to load up and she's like, I'm thinking about starting a blog. What should I know? And I was like, oh, let me like write you an email. And the email was, here are the things that you need to do. And then suddenly the email, I was like, well, someone else asked me about starting a new website. I'll just copy and paste that into a Google Doc and share that. And then I had the list of links to every blog post I'd written about it. I'm like, well, why is this a Google Doc when it could be a cornerstone guide? And so I built it all up. And suddenly my little you know, conversation at the bus stop turned into a 7,000 word blog post because I pulled little pieces of all these blogs that I'd already written into here's the 15 step process. I didn't know I had a 15 step process <laughs> to a search friendly website, but I did. It was just waiting to come out because I already had created all these building blocks. I'd already created all these granny squares. And then finally I was able to sew them into something larger. Not all cornerstone guides have to be 7,000 words, by the way, that just happens to be me being not able to be concise. Um, But we took that guide and we turned it into a PDF. And it was a, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 page PDF, something like that. Maybe longer because it's 7,000 words. (laughs) Um, Just took the exact guide, put it in Canva, and then put a pop-up on the page that said, listen, we know how long this is. (laughs) It's going to take you 15 minutes to read 7,000 words. You probably don't have that amount of time. We didn't say that. do you want us to just email this to you? Right. And then they got the guide as a PDF, which had all the links to the blog post, which of course I set up UTM tracking parameters to be like, what are they actually clicking on from this PDF guide and who's buying what? And having that information, we didn't have to create a new lead magnet for that. We just took the cornerstone guide and went, mm, this is long. <laughs> Do you want me to send it to you? And then we set up the email sequence on the end of it. You don't always have to create more value. You can take the amazing work that you've already done, consolidate it into something larger, and then package it up in a way that people can access it really easily and have it as a long-term asset in your business instead of it just being kind of disparate puzzle pieces that are spread out throughout your site. So what would you say are the characteristics of high quality cornerstone content? It sounds like the having those building blocks. I think being able to understand what is the reason that people are coming to your website? What are the things that you are an expert on that you've already potentially talked about or want to talk about? And then creating something that's better than what's already out there. That goes, it doesn't have to go into all the detail of every single step, but it can show the depth of what you do and it builds a lot of trust. So I had that 15 point guide. I didn't copy and paste 15 blog posts into that. I said, oh, here's what you need to know about a domain. And if you want to know more about that, here's a link to the post about domains. And if you're trying to choose between, you know, WordPress and Squarespace, here's a link that, that I already wrote about that. And if you've already done that, you can skip through that part. Right. So I think that some of the qualities of uh, high quality cornerstone content is you're very clear about what is included in it. Often cornerstone content will have a table of contents so people can leap to the navigational point that they are at. Um right. And it gives you enough information that you can choose which of those rabbit holes to 
leap down into. Uh, whenever I find really great cornerstone content, I also find that I'm opening up like 10 different browser tabs because I'm like, yeah, I want to know more about this, <laughs> right? Like it sort of can show you everything that you don't know. That's great cornerstone content. And then obviously a lead magnet or some some sort of call to action that guides them to what that next step is that you want from them. Should we be updating cornerstone content regularly? Um regularly sure <laughs> when you have something new to say about the topic yes you can update up, update all of your content regularly right that's sometimes people will say well i you know i wrote this blog post 10 years ago and it's still doing well okay what do you have to say about it now this is this is search engine optimization that we're talking about not search engine creation what are the things that you've said about something since you created that original blog post? What are, what's the new, I mean, you and I talk about social media a lot. What changed in TikTok this week? Sure. Go right about it. Um, right. You don't, you don't have to update things regularly. You don't have to go in and update your cornerstone content if it's really well optimized, but you can. And then if you are updating it, if it does feel like you've done a good solid update to the content, you can republish it as if it's new content. And that will give it Google a chance to come back and be like, oh, that's what's different here. How do you determine that you're going to update the cornerstone content. Do you use Google Search Console? Are you looking at a keyword research tool? How do you normally decide that it needs to be updated? Um, when you have something new to say, I would say, sure, we can absolutely use Google Search Console and find the new keywords and optimize to a specific keyword and figure out the positions and rewrite your SEO titles. And there's all sorts of things you can do to update any piece of content. Um, so sometimes it's looking at that data and saying like, what's my click-through rate on this? What's my position? Do I have really good search intent for that term? I'm getting a little bit like technically heavy on the keyword research because I think your folks are more savvy than than the typical audience I'm talking to. Um, So absolutely, you can use some of that data, that analytics data about how long they're spending on the page, where they're getting stuck. Maybe you want to throw some heat mapping tools on there, see where people are trailing off, update that. But it's also, you know, there's no rule that you go through all of your content and have to update them in order for search, right? What are the low-hanging fruit? What is the additional value you can add? And start from there versus just, well, I haven't updated this piece of content in eight years, so maybe it's time. Okay, well, maybe maybe it's time for that content to, you know, be archived and not be seen anymore. Not everything on your website has to be search-friendly. Probably right. about 20% of it does. Like, what are the best on-ramps to getting to know you? And then you allow people to go into that spider web and explore where it makes sense for them. Yes. Love that. So what types of content can be considered cornerstone content? You've given an example of it having a lab, like that, the intuitive eating that you talked about was an amazing example. Is there another example you can give of a cornerstone piece of content? Does it, for example, does it need to have a minimum of five outgoing links to other content or does it have to be, like you said, 7,000 words? That was the example that you had. Oh, please don't make it 7,000 words. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to read it. That's the problem with with my writing is I tend to go in a little bit too much detail. Um, I would say, you know, Blogs tend to do really well for cornerstone content, but 
Because, because the more you put on a page, the more things can be searched, the more they can be found. Um, but that doesn't have to be the only way. Like I said, you can turn it into a PDF guide. You could do almost like a roundup um, podcast episode. So Jenny, you could say, here's all the times that I've talked about mindset. And let me just do a little guide to every time that I've talked about it so that those of you who are new to the podcast can go find that, right? It can be. And here's another way to think about it. If you have a category on your blog that's doing really well, if you have a category that you tend to talk about a lot on your podcast, that might be a good time to do sort of a roundup or overview of what you've discussed already. And if you have a YouTube playlist, if you create um, YouTube stories and you have highlights, I'm sorry, not YouTube stories, Instagram stories, and you have highlights of those, and you have like a really full highlight reel, that might be an indicator that you might want to create some cornerstone content around it. So I think some of us are creating these sort of categorizations of our content without thinking about, oh, this is something that I really want to be found for. And I want people to have an easily accessible, easily navigable way of accessing what I've already created and what I want to create. Yes. So good. It really does. It It's that whole idea of being able to look at what content do you already have and where are you trying to send them? Because I think sometimes we forget that end game of, do we have a product? Do we have a service? Where are we ultimately looking to monetize and how can we bring them down that way? So like you said before, an on-ramp. i such a good example of how you bring people in with that opt-in and the content and then send them down into that funnel that could potentially be selling a product or service. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you measure the success of the cornerstone content? I think there's a couple of different ways you can straight through the funnel, right? So the first is discovery. Are people finding this? Are new people finding this? And I would say that a lot of times that would come from search traffic. Um are, am I ranking for relevant keywords for this? Are people clicking through to it? Um, is it something that people are interested in? And then I would say another thing that you would want to measure is behavior. If people get to that page, where are they coming from? Are they coming from social media? Are they coming from referral traffic of somebody who shared that? Are they coming from another page of your website? Um, or are they landing directly on that cornerstone guide? And once they get there, what are they doing? Are they actually reading it? Are they staying on the page for longer than any other page on your site? Um, Are they clicking through those various links? If so, which are they clicking through on? And then I would say if we're moving down the the funnel, we have kind of that discovery at the top of the funnel. We have behavior in the middle of the funnel. And then the bottom would be conversions. Are people taking action? This is what I would say for every bit of content on your site to measure the effectiveness, but especially for Cornerstone, where we have created something of unique and deep value. Are people signing up for your email opt-in? Are they clicking through to a sales page that you've linked in there? Are they booking a call with you to discuss their needs with you? making sure that you've given them the correct call to action. If you look at my cornerstone guide, we have four different call to action. The first is, hey, join the email list and we'll send this to you. The next is, do you need help with this? Here's our our self-paced course. And then as you go down, it's like, okay, here's how you can get more support and here's how we can do it for you. So as you move down, I mean, this is a little bit (laughs) nerdy advanced work, um, but you can include multiple calls to action in your cornerstone content because it does have more room to breathe. Typical cornerstone posts are more like 
1500 to 2500 words not my not my 7000 the word monstrosity um, but but you can create multiple options in there and see how people behave and then adjust your calls to action adjust your content adjust what you're trying to rank for based on the behavior and use it as a feedback loop versus just I slapped it on the page now it's done it's going to live there forever i never have to touch it again Right. It sounds similar to like a customer journey. Where are they? You can use that table of contents to jump over things that they might already know, but then be able to get to the pieces that they do. And then based on investment that they're willing to make, as well as time investment piece Mm -hmm. of that, being able to show them the different opportunities that you have for your products and services that you offer so that it can be different areas within that sales funnel, which I love because I think a lot of times we think of cornerstone content as bloggers and we just assume we're going after the Google traffic and we're trying to rank for that word. And we forget that we should be trying to make sure that we are able to monetize that with an ebook, with a video course, with a workshop, with a summit, something that goes beyond our ad money. Because a lot of my listeners know that I talk about the fact that you cannot just rely on that ad money. It's great. I'm not telling you to remove your ads, but you need to really start thinking about how can you monetize with products and services. And this is an excellent way to just lay a foundation where it sets you apart for that particular topic and content as an expert, because you're answering all the questions that they have along the journey that they're on. 100%. And especially if you can have, you know, as people are scrolling down, they are going to be seeing more ads, you're going to be getting more CPMs, but you can include because you have the space to include it, you can include value based links, and then also product based links in that process. So it doesn't just have to be well, here's a roundup of every blog post I've ever written about this. If you have a next step, you can include not just here's your lead magnet, but here's a, a ebook that I wrote about this. You know, come, you can start to get them into your funnel because the Cornerstone Guide has given them so much for free that the value that you've given them should be reciprocated with the option to give you money for something. If, if they get so much value from your free content, they're going to be much more likely to reciprocate with a sale. They're going to trust you way more implicitly just by having that, even if it's all the same stuff that's already listed around your website, putting it into something that they can easily consume makes such a huge difference. Yes. Now, when it comes to the tech side, is there a way that on the back end of WordPress or Squarespace that we need to be able to mark cornerstone content as cornerstone content, or is just creating it considered cornerstone content? Pretty much just creating it is considered a cornerstone content. You know, you can go into the Yoast plugin and click the little button that says like, this is cornerstone content. Doesn't actually change anything. And here's the secret about Yoast and any other plugins. They don't change the way that Google looks at you. That's all for your internal use as you're writing. It's not actually going to change. It's not like, oh, you click the button that says this is cornerstone content and Google perks up and goes, oh, but this is the good stuff, right? (laughs) The value of the cornerstone content is in the content, not in the buttons that you press. But it can be good to sort of think of this as what are those core topics that I talk about a lot? What are the most valuable pieces of real estate that I have? What are the best assets that I have? Because then what you can do is go through the rest of your site 
and cross-link to it and say, I have this amazing 10-step intuitive eating principles guide. What else needs to link to this? Maybe I'll put a link to it on my homepage. Maybe I'll put it in my main navigation or my footer. Maybe I'll go through and find every blog post I've ever written with that topic and update the anchor text the first time that I use that term so that it goes to that guide. I want all roads on my website to lead to my cornerstone content or lead to my offers, depending on where people are in that customer journey. If they're brand new to you, if they're in sort of the more introductory end of your content, maybe you want to guide them to the cornerstone content. Whereas if they're closer to a sale, like we were talking about with customer journeys, if they're like more ready to buy, then maybe you don't send them to Cornerstone, you just send them directly to the offers. So knowing where people are, what their intent is, what their level of knowledge is, so that you can send them to the call to action that's appropriate for them. Um, now I've gotten off the topic of Cornerstone content because I've just gotten into cross-linking and consumer journeys. <laughs> but I think that that piece is also important because my listeners, I have some that have been doing this for years and they have a ton of content and they're going through and they're making updates for SEO purposes and kind of take it and looking at it as pillars of content and the key things that they want to be known for and then organizing it based on that. Because for many of those that have that much content, there wasn't a lot of information out there that was easily accessible to understand how to create cornerstone content or how to create content that was meant for Google. And let's be honest, the algorithm has changed for Google. They've updated the way they're looking at content now. Mm -hmm. So this is really important for those that have been doing this for a while. This is also really important for those that may just be getting started because they can sit down and create that quilt or spider web of their organization of what they want to be known for with their pillars of content and then creating cornerstone content that comes off of that with all the little spidery blog posts that all build into it. Totally. So if you're just getting started, you might have heard me say like, take what you already have and build it into something bigger. But you also have the option of starting with an outline in mind and creating as you go. So instead of it being the granny squares that you're sewing together, sometimes I say to people, you know, this is like a temperature blanket, you know, like where every row is one piece of content and you're just going line by line and you're making it more of like a striated blanket versus a squares blanket. Um, We're not recording video, but I'm making horizontal lines versus squares in the air. (laughs) Um, But if, if you're just getting started with this, or let's say, that like maybe you do have a ton of content, but you're pivoting and you want to talk about something new. This is a great time to say, I'm going to go do keyword research. I'm going to figure out what that overarching pillar, cornerstone, core content is. And then I'm going to go and find the long tail keywords for all the supporting pieces. And almost like you can write out the cornerstone guide as an outline and then just go check, check, check line by line what, what needs to be created. And sometimes I find that when I'm writing a blog post, I'll I'll see myself writing something new and be like, oh, that's a totally new blog post. <laughs> I'm sure yes. we've all done it where it's like, oh, I'm going off on a tangent here and let me just export that into something new and link it over. Sometimes that's the way that we're finding this new content. Um, what I just did about customer journeys when you were asking about cornerstone content, that would have been like, oh, if you want to hear more about this, link it on over, right? If you keep every piece of content on your website tied to one search intent, what is the thing that this post would be found for? And if you go out on any digressions or tangents, create a new blog post, do your keyword research, link them together. Like 
sometimes the best ideas come out of those tangents, right? Sometimes the best content is just, I went off on a tangent and it ranked really well. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So now tell me about your SEO starter kit that you're offering. We're going to link to it in the show notes so that we can make sure that they grab it. So anyone listening, make sure that you pop over to the blog post so that you can grab it. But tell me a little bit about what they can expect to learn from it. Sure. The SEO starter kit is a free guide where I'm trying to make SEO as accessible as possible. I think a lot of people feel like because it is, because it can be more technical, it can get a little bit overwhelming. So we dig into what is keyword research? How do you get started with it? How do you know if a blog is worth pursuing? What are the kind of the the qualities that you want when you're going to invest the time into a blog post? And how do you make sure that everything that you're creating, whether it's podcast show notes, you know, video transcripts, blog posts. So how do you make sure that, it, that it's worth the time that you're investing into it? So that way it can be found in Google for those search terms. Yes, exactly what we need. The more information they can have and understanding SEO, the better off we're all going to be. Where else can they get in touch with you, Meg, in case they have a question or anything like that? What are the best places? The best place would be my website, loveatfirstsearch.com. Um, we are like minimally on social media, but I'm kind of over it. I'm just, you know, you just hit a point where you're like, do I have to create something new for that again? I just, I don't want to. Um, right. So so technically we're on Instagram, but not really. Um, the other place that I hang out a lot is podcasting. Um, so I have a podcast called Social Slowdown. We will, you can link to the episode that Jenny and I just recorded of you on that podcast. Yes. So you guys can hear some familiar voices over there. We were talking about how to decrease your dependence on social media by exploring other marketing channels, including content marketing, including email marketing, if you don't include that in our content and including relationships and collaborations. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and my audience. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you were taking notes during this episode. There was so much great information that Meg offered in this episode. If you didn't already grab her SEO starter kit, make sure that you do. Just pop over to the show notes. You can scroll in your podcasting app down to the bottom and you'll see that there are notes there with a link going directly to the blog post where it will be linked on there. Also, if you haven't left a rating and review, I would so appreciate it if you took the time to do so. Just scroll in your podcasting app down to where you see rating give a quick rating and write a two, one, even one sentence review. I appreciate you all so much. And until next time, I will see you all then. 